How can we communicate complex concepts to each other and to our patients? Our guest today suggests using the back of a napkin. Really? Welcome to the ReachMD Book Club. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt of Foothill Psychiatry in Boise, your host, and with me today is Dan Rome. Dan is the founder of Digital Rome Incorporated, a management consulting company that helps business executives solve complex problems through visual thinking. Dan received two degrees at UC Santa Cruz, one in fine art and the second in biology. This combination of creative art and hard science began Dan's cross-disciplinary approach to problem-solving that is the backbone of his work and lectures. Welcome to ReachMD, Dan. Thank you, Leslie. My pleasure. How did you first become interested in visual learning, Dan? Well, you know, Leslie, I'm one of those people who has just always drawn. In fact, some of my earliest memories as a small child were that I would draw all the time. And when I first got out of college with those two degrees, one in biology and one in fine art, of course, the first job I had was in graphic design. What else are you going to do? And when I was in graphic design, it made sense that I drew because everybody in design draws all the time. But then through a circuitous series of events, some of which I'll share with you, I ended up moving more into management consulting and running my own businesses. And then the fact that I drew actually made me kind of weird because nobody in business draws. And the really funny thing was, I would notice that every time I was in a business meeting and I wanted to share an idea or sell a concept or even hire someone, and I would take a piece of paper and just start drawing out my idea really simply with, you know, circles and boxes and arrows on that piece of paper, it was as if something magic would happen in the room. The level of attention that people would suddenly pay to what I was saying and what I was drawing was just phenomenal. And I thought, you know, there's really something secret here that more business people ought to become aware of because they're really missing out by not spending more time just drawing these simple pictures while they share ideas. And it was out of that that I decided to go ahead and do the book. Dan, I love your concepts, but I have to tell you, I'm a really awful artist. You know, stick figures are a challenge for me. So how can somebody who's artistically challenged do this? You know, Leslie, in fact, the more artistically challenged you are, this is going to sound crazy, but I actually find that those people are the ones who sometimes do this the very best. The kinds of pictures that we're talking about drawing here are extraordinarily simple. I mean, literally, if we can draw nothing more than a circle and a box and an arrow, and yes, occasionally we're going to have to go ahead and draw that stick figure, if we can draw just those basic things, we can draw any one of the kinds of pictures that I'm talking about And here's why. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more later about some of the science and some of the neurobiology that I've learned that's behind this. But really what we're trying to do with the pictures that I'm describing is we're not trying to create really good renderings of what we see in the world out there and sharing those with other people. What we're trying to do is create these very simple pictures that reflect literally what we see in here, in our own mind's eye, in effect and share those ideas with other people. And those, I have found, almost invariably can be created, described, and then shared with just these very simple shapes. It's almost as if what we're doing is we're letting our brains, the visual part of our brains, simply tell stories in the way that that part of our brain really wants to. And, you know, the proof of this is here. Because, you know, Leslie, you're not the first person I've heard who says, this sounds great, but, you know, I can't draw, and I, I don't think I could do this. What I often tell people is the proof of this, that we can make these drawings, is that we all already knew how to do this when we were younger. And the example I'll give, I have two kids, and one has finished kindergarten a couple years ago, one's about to go into kindergarten. If you walk into a kindergarten class, and, you know, of course, with the teacher's permission, ask the little six-year-olds, 
how many of them can draw? Every one of those kids is going to raise mm. their hand. Yeah. Now ask them how many can read and write. And maybe one or two maximum will raise their hand. Now hold that thought because come back to the same class 10 years later, 16-year-olds now in 10th grade, ask the same kids the same two questions. How many can draw? Now it's going to turn around. Maybe two or three will raise their hand. How many can read and write? Everyone will raise their hand. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with learning to read and write. I mean, that's absolutely mm-hmm. fundamental, and we must do that. But what I do think is really telling, and perhaps wrong, is that somehow in that 10-year period between ages 6, when we did feel confident in our ability to draw simple pictures, and age 16 and 26 and 36, where most people seem to lose that confidence, something has happened. And I think part of what it is is just no one has continued to encourage us to use our innate ability to see and to use our innate ability to sketch out ideas and to use that as a communications tool and as a problem-solving tool. And I'm just advocating we go back and try it again. So what are the steps involved if we want to begin to do this kind of work? Well, I have come up with a very simple process. I mean, this is a business book, and it's important that there be a process. And the process is just four basic steps, all of which are derived from terms that we already associate with vision. And I call the steps looking, seeing, imagining, and then showing. So the four steps are look, see, imagine, and show. And essentially what they are is they are a progression that takes us through a whole series of not just neurobiological processes, but basic cognitive processes of how do we first of all just get better at looking at the world around us, almost the kind of the semi-passive process of just letting the visual information that surrounds us come in. That's the looking part. And we can get better at that. I mean, we're all good at it anyway, but we can get a lot better at it through some simple exercises. But then there's a distinction because the next step is getting better at seeing, which is really the pattern recognition part. I've looked at the environment. Now, what are the things that I see out there? What are the patterns that are out there that are really interesting or visually intriguing to me? And getting better at those things as well. And then once I've seen the patterns, I bring them into my mind's eye. And I'm now manipulating them inside my mind's eye. I can even close my eyes at that point. And this is what I refer to as the imagining phase, where I'm taking those patterns and I'm turning them around. I'm moving them, shifting them, turning them upside down, seeing if I can create, manipulate those patterns to create better ideas or discover new ideas. And then once I have, the last step is then to show, to create the simple pictures that reflect what was in my mind's eye so that I can share them with someone else. Now, Leslie, I want to go for one more second on this. The reason I think that this process is really important is because it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about a moment ago. The reason many people are uncertain about using pictures to solve problems is I think because most people are very uncertain about their ability to draw. And the reason I really like this approach of looking first, then seeing, then imagining, and then only at the end drawing is because it really does tell us that the drawing part is just the last part of the whole process. And if we can get better at the first steps, just looking at what's around us, seeing the patterns that are there, and then imagining how to change them, the drawing part just kind of flows naturally and we worry about it a whole lot less. If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dan Rome, author of The Back of the Napkin. We are discussing visual thinking. Okay, Dan, now how can we translate your ideas into medicine, what our listeners do every day? Well, you know, Leslie, one of the ironies here is that the reason I got that degree in biology is back in school, I was going to be a doctor. And I went ahead and did the pre-med track, which included doing all of my biology. 
there is an answer to your question in here. As kind of an outlet from all of the organic chemistry and all of the molecular biology, I decided to go ahead and do some painting because I was intrigued by scientific illustration. I never did become the doctor because I got sidetracked by business and have a chance to travel around the world and become a business consultant using these pictures. But from a medical perspective, it's really interesting because I believe there are so many profound ways that we can use pictures to solve medical problems. And I like to break it into three kind of phases. One is discovering our ideas. The second is developing our ideas. And then the third one is sharing our ideas. So from a medical professional's perspective, pictures are an extraordinary way to help us discover our own ideas. In particular, things that if we hadn't drawn them out would have remained invisible to us. And the example I like to cite is Dr. Paul Lauterbur, who was in fact the inventor of the MRI, which you know every MD knows exactly what an MRI is used for these days, just about everything. Dr. Lauterbur discovered his idea for how we would be able to put together nuclear magnetic resonance imaging, which was just getting started in the mid-70s. He was sitting in a Bob's Big Boy in Pittsburgh, <laughs> drawing on the placemat, putting together a bunch of ideas that he'd been struggling with, and all of a sudden it hit him how, through some pictures, he would be able to create a system that would put together multiple two-dimensional NMR images and create a more three-dimensional image, and he actually invented the MRI sitting there drawing on the back of this placemat. So that talk about discovering ideas. And then, if I may just for a moment, developing ideas, you know, there are so many examples of where scientific illustration has really provided the breakthrough on coming up with profound scientific ideas. And, you know, just to cite one example, one of a, that's a favorite of mine, I remember from my day studying biology, is, you know, when doctors Watson and Crick were uh, trying to figure out what might be the form of the genetic code, they used pictures to try to eventually discover the three-dimensional shape of DNA. And in fact, I think it was Dr. Crick was the one who sketched out his first model for what the DNA structure might look like, again, on a piece of notebook paper in his lab. You can actually find the facsimiles of that online. It's pretty interesting. But from a doctor's perspective, let's move away from kind of the theoretical science. When it comes to sharing ideas, I think that the use of pictures is profoundly important and powerful in the examining room when often there are a lot of difficulties between the patient who doesn't know what's wrong with them and the doctor who may know but doesn't know exactly what the symptoms are in communicating back and forth what is it exactly that the patient is feeling and more to the point, what is it that the doctor thinks the sorts of combinations of symptoms might mean to what type of actual disease or ailment there is. And, you know, the most basic example of this, and I don't know how many of your medical professionals listening in might be familiar with Wong Baker faces. Essentially what they are, series of nothing more than smiley faces. It's a spectrum of a smiley face from the happiest you can imagine to the saddest you can imagine, developed by two pediatricians, Drs. Wong and Dr. Baker. And what these pictures are used for is they're used often in emergency rooms and in examining rooms where there might be a language problem between the MD and the patient. And what these charts are used for is indicating from the patient's perspective, how much pain they might be feeling as the doctor begins to go through the exam. And it helps the doctor, regardless of any language barriers, start to be able to really understand at a brute force level what are the issues that the patient is suffering from simply by using this series of smiley faces. Now, I wonder, should we draw on the back of a napkin for our patients? Is that a helpful way to explain things? They could take it home and refer to it. What do you think about that? Oh, I absolutely do. And in fact, what I really encourage and have encouraged with my own GP is to have a whiteboard in the examining room. 
really to use that as a way to describe beyond simply words, very simple diagrammatic representations of what is it in the patient's body that's causing what to have pain for what. And if you can do it with a simple picture, guaranteed the patient is really going to get it and remember it far more than just words. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today, Dan. My pleasure. We've been talking with Dan Rome, the author of The Back of the Napkin, Solving Problems and Selling Ideas with Pictures. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the ReachMD Book Club on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and your comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library online. Thank you for listening. Hello, I'm Dr. Rashira Glazer from the University of Pennsylvania Medical Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the first national radio channel created specifically for medical professionals, ReachMD XM 157.